How many of you, by a show of hands, love to travel? You love to travel. You love to go, get places. Yeah, okay. How many of you are homebound, like your homebodies? You like staying home? Okay, all right. A couple of you. All right. Yeah. I, I love to travel. Lindsay and I love traveling when we get a chance to. It's, it's fun to go and get away. And if you've ever traveled for like long, extended periods of time, how many know when you get kind of near to the end of the trip, whether it's a vacation or it's a business trip or whatever, how many know you just can't wait to get home? Like there's that place where you're like, you're really glad to go, but then you're like, I just can't wait to get home. And how many, you know, when you're on that way home, you can't get home quick enough. It's like, I just can't wait to get home. And uh, really, not that just home is awesome. My bed and my pillow are awesome. Anybody in here know that there's no hotel bed that's like your bed? There's no hotel pillow that's like your pillow. How many of you, by show of hands, how many of you bring your pillows with you when you go somewhere else? Wow, look at that. Yeah, because there's nothing like, if you came to our house, there's like 33 pillows on my bed uh, that my wife, you know, three of them are functional, 30 of them are for decoration. I mean, you, I spend half of the time trying to get the things off my bed so I could actually sleep in my bed. Uh, and who does that? Who's the multi-pillow? We hate y'all. Um, and so... I'm like, I tell my wife, like, why do we do this? Like, we're the only two people who see this bed. Like, if anybody's in my room, that's weird, okay? She was like, it's just for me. I just like feeling, okay, babe, whatever that is. But there's something about my pillow. Like, even when sometimes our pillows get mixed and she's on mine, and I'm I'm like, no, 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 this ain't my pillow. Give me my pillow, you know, or you can get out of the bed. She's like, you you can get out of the bed. (laughs) Okay. And so... I love being home. I love the idea of being home, which is really, and as Ryan shared uh, so great just a minute ago, that is our prayer for you, is that not only that your home feels home, I pray that when you walk into this place, you feel at home, uh, that this is a place where you feel welcome, that you, that you feel like you belong. It's sad because nowadays, uh, people, when you invite them to church, they feel like they have too much stuff, too much issues, too many things that they can't come. But man, we're going to get some new PR out that you belong even before you believe. You're welcome here. Glad you're here. Excited that you're here. And it's not, it's not our job to clean people up. God does that anyways. And so uh, I, I, hope, I hope you feel that way. And I, I, I'm in a, we're, in, well, we're in a series called Activated. Uh, this is week four. We've been talking about prayer. We've been talking about the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And last week we talked about what it looks like to love our church and what's our part in that. And today we're going to talk about how it is that God wants to make his, his house here. So I want you to write this. This is not your notes, just a little extra. How many, y'all got some notes? Wave them at me. Let me see if you got some notes in this. Okay, all right. All right, 11.15. There we go. And so I want, I want you to just write this. This is a little jotted down on the side. I want you, the mark of an activated church, the mark of an activated church is the presence of God. The mark of an activated church is the presence of God. We're gonna talk a little bit about that today as we talk about what does it look like to be a place that God can call home. Now, I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna have you raise your hand for this, but we've probably all been in a dead church. And a dead church is just, here's what a dead church is, where God doesn't show up. That's a dead church, by the way, where God is not present. We wanna be in a live church, an active church, a responsive church, an excited church, an excited church, an excited church. I'll keep saying it, excited church. And so last week we talked about this idea that one of your roles is to come to church expectant, to come to church excited, 
to come to church ready to meet with God. And so I believe God's here. And I want, I want us to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians tells us about this idea that God's home is here. This is what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, it says, we are, everybody say we are, we are the temple of the living God. Back in the Old Testament, they built temples that God would be in, but he would only go into those temples. In the New Testament, we flash forward, and now you and I are the temple of the living God, just as God has said, I will make, everybody help me, my home in, in them. Watch this though, this is huge though, you gotta underline this. God wants to make his home in them, in us, not just in me, in us. That, that this building, there's nothing fancy about this building, but when God's people come together, how I many know God wants to make his home with us, in us, and walk among us, and I will be their God, and they will be my peeps. They're gonna be my people. This is what God tells us, that God wants to make his home in you, his home in us, his home here. This is what the Bible says. Now in Acts chapter five is where we're gonna go today. Uh, Acts chapter one through four, we've been spending a lot of time there over the last four weeks. And Acts chapter one through four is a party, man. It's God's moving, things are happening, people are uh, experiencing God like never before. The church goes from 120 to 3,000. I mean, it's just crazy, all the stuff that's happening. And then Acts chapter five happens. Acts five, it shifts. Now watch this. Acts 5, verse 1. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles and claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. So let me just tell you what's happening here. So Ananias and Sapphira sold a piece of property. They had a piece of property. They sold it. And they said, let's give this to the church. Well, this scripture tells us that they gave part of it to the church, but they told the apostles they gave all of it to the church. So they lied. They said that they were one way when it was really, they weren't that way. Watch what happens next. Watch this. Then Peter says, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of that money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. Like, you didn't have to sell it. You chose to sell it. Then he goes on, he says, and after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do such a thing? Like, you didn't have to give the money to the church. You didn't have to sell the property. You decided to sell it. You decided to give the money. But you said you were given the whole thing. You didn't give the whole thing. You weren't lying to us. You were lying to who? Say it, say it out loud. To who? You're not lying to us. You're lying to God. Now, the truth is, did they lie to them? Yes, they did lie to them. But more than anything, he's wanting them to see, you didn't lie to us, you lied to God. What, what, what happens in secret, God sees. God sees. And as soon as, oh, now watch this. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Come on, somebody, talk about a Google review after that. <laughs> How was church? Somebody died. Somebody died right in the middle of it. He lied. Don't you lie in church, okay? Uh, watch. Everyone who heard it was terrified. I bet they were. Then some of the young men, now watch this. They get the OSC youth guys. <laughs> hey, youth guys, come here. And the youth guys wrap him up in a sheet and take him out and bury him. 
Now, can you just imagine for a moment, we get all of our youth guys to go, hey guys, I need y'all to come take care of something. They walk in and go, there's a dead body. <laughs> yeah, he lied. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> As they're carrying the body, have to go and bury the body. And about three hours later, his wife comes in, not knowing what had happened. Watch this. So Peter asks her, was this the price that you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replies. <laughs> that was the price. And Peter says, well, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men, <laughs> the young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they're going to carry you out too. Just drop the mic, just drop the mic, just walk out. Instantly, she falls to the floor and dies. When the young man came in and saw that she was dead, another one? <laughs> they carry her out and they bury her beside her husband and great fear grips the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Imagine that Facebook review of that church right there. How was church today? Mm, deadly. <laughs> Great fear gripped everybody. This is, a, this is a crazy story. Now, here's what I want you to understand, though. This is the New Testament church, not the Old Testament. That's right. So the Old Testament church, you're used to this. I'll share a little bit about it in just a minute. But like, this is the New Testament. Like, this, like we're in the New Testament church, by the way. This is the New Testament church, and this happens in this moment. They, they lie, and, and God is teaching them a lesson about this. That when God's at home, when God's present and is, is in his house, there's some things that happen. And so that's what I want to share today with you, is I want to give you th three thoughts on when the presence of God is in his church, three things happen. Let me, let me give you the first one. If you're taking some notes, I want you to write this first one down. Supernatural order. Supernatural order takes place when God is in his house. How many of you believe, by a show of hands, that we serve a God who is amazing, who is loving, who is graceful, and who is merciful? Raise your hand if you believe that. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you also believe, though, that we also serve a God who is holy and he's righteous? And he, how many believe that as well? Yeah. Most of us want to choose which side of God we want. Which side of God do we desire in our lives? Most of us, of course, who would not want the loving, blessing, forgiving, gracious, merciful, but you don't get one without the other. Amen. It's kind of like, um, like my, my boys right now are at their, at their grandma's house. They're at my mom's house. And um, I, I don't know how many of y'all, how many in here are grandparents? Grandparents, raise your hand if you're grandparents, yeah. So God, God allowed you to be grandparents because it was his gift to you for not killing your children. Um, <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> hey, they get better. Okay, just let it go. They get better. So that's God's gift to you for not killing your children. He gave you grandkids. And the thing about grandkids is, is that, you know, as grandparents, you get to spoil your grandkids. You know, like when my boys, my boys right now are at my mom's. They've been there all weekend. And I guarantee you, there's some stuff that's going down over at their house that does not happen at my house. That's a guarantee. Like, a while back, I was at my, I was at my grandmother's. Uh, my grandmother and my mom lived together, 
And so I was there at the house, and my boys were there. My boys were staying that, that night there. And, and so it's like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I see Joel come out of the kitchen with a massive bowl of ice cream. It's like 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, son, what are you doing? My, now, my grandmother's name, we call her Pete. And uh, he said, well, Pete said I could have ice cream. I said, oh, she did, didn't she? So I stormed up in her room. Joel's in there on her lap eating his ice cream. I'm like, it's 11 o'clock. Why did you say he could have ice cream? She said, it's milk. I didn't know, I didn't know what to, how to respond to that. I don't know. Okay, you got me. All right, yeah. Can I have some ice cream? <laughs> it's milk. So my boys are coming home tomorrow, and we're going to have grandma rehab. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? How many, how many of you, when you get your kids home, like, they got to hear the word no? They haven't heard that all weekend. All it's been is yes, yes, yes. Oh, you want candy? Yes. You want ice cream? Yes. Oh, you want to stay up late? Yes. You want to eat whatever you want? Yes. You want seven Dr. Peppers in a day? Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> so they come home with, like, jitters and stuff, and I'm like, it's literally detoxing. I got detox off of grandmother. But when dad's home and they're in dad's house, the rules are changing because when you come to my house, it's not that. You don't get to do what you want, when you want, how long you want. That, that, that doesn't happen at my home. See, the, the issue is we all like God as a grandfather. We don't like him as a dad, though. We like the God who does everything for us and allows us to do whatever we want to do and however we want to do it and whenever we want to do it. Come on, we just don't want the daddy to step in. And I'm going to tell you right now, when dad, when God, the father, the daddy steps in, it's not business as usual anymore. It's his rules. And yes, he's loving and gracious and kind and merciful, but he's, he's also got another side to him. And let me show you. Romans says it this way. Watch what, this is God's word, okay? I, wanna, I just want to let God's word, I'm going to stand behind God's word and let him, let him speak to us. He says, make sure you stay alert to these qualities. Now watch these two qualities of God. Gentle what? Gentle kindness. Yes, I love God. Yes, I want that. And severe Ruthless severity. I don't want that one. But they both exist side by side in God. You get both of them. You, you, you get the kindness, but you're also going to get the severity. You get the grace, but you also get the law. You get the favor of God, but you also get the truth. Are y'all with me? We want one side. Oftentimes we'll go to one extreme or we'll go to another I see people who go to one extreme and God's loving and God's gracious and God lets me do whatever I want to do. He's love and he's just got to forgive me, doesn't I? I just go to church and he forgives me and he lets me do whatever I want to do. No. Does your, does your wife want you to do that with other women? Well, no. And then why would God? But then we can go to the other extreme where we go, God's rules and God's laws and I just got to do exactly what God and this and, and he just wants me to just obey and, and don't realize like, no, 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 we do serve a God who loves and hey, when you fail, it's good to know that you do serve a gracious, loving, forgiving father that who brings you back into the family and he doesn't hammer you down. He's not waiting to strike you with a, with a lightning bolt. But in the story that we see with Ananias and Sapphira that God was wanting to teach them something, 
In, in the Old Testament, we see this with the children of Israel. Now, the children of Israel were a, a, um, an image, a type, a shadow of the New Testament church. If you go and you look in the Old Testament, there's shadows and types of what's to come in the New Testament. And God's people in the, in the Old Testament are the same as God's people today, us as his church. And there's stories, countless stories. Nadab and Abihu were sons of Aaron, who was the priest. They mixed the incense wrong, and fire came down and killed them. Better get that right. Men from Israel started sleeping around with women of the Moabites, which, is, which was a foreign god. Plague broke out on all the guys, and thousands of them died. Miriam and Aaron. Now listen to this one. Miriam and Aaron, which was Moses' brother and sister, did not like the way that Moses was leading the children of Israel. They started complaining and murmuring and criticizing Moses, and Miriam gets leprosy by God. Korah spoke bad about Moses. Moses was like the pastor of the people. He's leading the church. And Korah speaks negatively of Moses, and the Bible says that the earth opens up and swallows him whole. So don't talk about me. But it's actually very true that God has called us to, to honor not, not only our pastors, but our leaders and our government, and there, well, there's places of honor in those things, but God was very, very serious of teaching lessons in, these, in, the, in the Old Testament, but he's also teaching us a lesson in the New Testament that if God is with us, it's not business as usual anymore. Like if God's in this house and God is here and his presence is here, like you, you can't just get away with just whatever you want. Like... He is a king, and this is a kingdom, and he still rules. Are y'all with me? So, so even when it comes to our own personal holiness, that God wants us to live personally holy, that, that I know we don't talk about that as much as we probably should, that there should be holiness in God's church. Mercy and grace, yes, but there also should be this desire to want to be more and more like Jesus. Not perfection. You're going to blow it. I'm going to blow it. But holiness is this pursuit this desire to want to be like God, that, that I'm the same type of person in church as I am outside of church. So we've got to ask the question, like, like is God pleased with, with what I'm watching? Like, like would, would, would God tolerate what happens in my home? Would God tolerate what I'm listening to? Would God tolerate what I'm clicking on? Would God tolerate what I'm about to post? Would God tolerate what he accept? Would he be approved of? Would he be proud of what I'm about to do? And if I'm not, I don't want to do it. Amen. Are y'all with me? Like, yeah. I don't want to do it. I, I, I want to honor God. I want to I love God. I want to I do things that, that please his heart. And if there's anything that's in me that is not pleasing to him, I don't want it. So God, search me and search my heart. I, I, I told our, our, uh, our leaders this past week at our leadership rally, I said, we've got to ask this question. If what I'm about to say or what I'm about to do was to be made public, would it honor God? That's a great question to ask right before you're about to message somebody. Right before you're about to post something. Right before you're about to make the phone call. Right before you're about to go by her office. Right before you're about to go do this thing, you go, if what I'm about to do was to be made public and everybody knew about it, would God be honored by it? I'm going to tell you what, it'll put the fear of God in you when you start doing those things. Leading a church puts the fear of God in me. Because I realize, like, people are watching. But more than that, God's watching. Amen. God's watching. 
And I'm gonna tell you right now, here's my prayer as a pastor for myself, but it's also my prayer for us as a church. I don't want the people who know me the most to admire me the least. Let me explain it. I don't want people at church to admire me a lot, but the people at my home that know me the most to not admire me at all because I'm one way at church and I'm a different way at home. If that's the truth, how many know we got a gap? We've got to close the gap. Are y'all with me? You want the people who know you the most to love you the most, to admire you the most, to want to follow you the most. If the people who know you the most don't want to be around you, there's an issue. There's an issue. Well, everybody at work loves me. Yeah, because everybody at work doesn't know you. Ask your spouse. Ask your kids. Are y'all with me? Like, that's the real standard. And really, let's be honest. If we gain everybody else's approval but but lose the people who we value the most, it doesn't matter anyways. So God is calling us into a place when he's in his house that there is supernatural order. Number two is there are supernatural miracles. Supernatural miracles. This next story in Acts chapter 5 talks about how as a result of the apostles' work, watch this, Acts chapter 5, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as they went by. Peter's shadow was healing people. This is crazy. Watch the next verse. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. All healed. One of the truest indicators of an activated church and the presence of God being in his church is there is the miraculous. Miraculous things. How many of you in here need God to show up in a miraculous way? Like you need a miracle in some way, like miracle in your relationships. Who, who needs a miracle in your healing, in your body, in your finances? Listen, I was reading the 21 days of prayer prayer cards. We had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And I, every other one was a financial one. People needing help in their finances or people needing help in their marriages or people praying for their lost kids or people that are far from God or people needing a healing. That's all the prayer cards were. I mean, 90% were one of those three was either relationships, physical healing, or finances. It was one of those three. And so we've been praying for 21 days for those things. But you know what we're praying? That God would do a miracle in all of those. That we believe for miracles. Like, Supernatural protection. How many know you don't pray until your kids start driving? Then you're really praying. <laughs> you ain't praying until your kids go off to college or when your kids aren't in your, you're really praying, praying for supernatural protection. We see this all throughout scripture, God protecting his people. He does, I believe he does put angels around about us that protect us. Now, your angels can only fly as fast as the speed limit. I'm just letting you know, which is why mine's gonna slap me when I get to heaven. So, but God will protect you. There's supernatural protection. How many believe in supernatural healing? How many believe God can heal? This past three of you. Okay, all right. So at least three will get a healing. So watch this. Last week I was talking to Pastor Jamie, who, who is our Eunice campus pastor, and he was telling me about a lady that was in his church that found out that she had lumps in her breast, that they believed she had cancer. And, uh, and so it was a part of what they were praying for for the 21 days was praying over that. And she went this past week to go get a biopsy of the lumps. And the doctor said, well, before we do that, let's just do a quick scan because we don't know what size they are and where they're located and all this stuff. So they do the scan. 
The doctor walks back in and says, there's no lumps. <laughs> there's none. <laughs> like they couldn't find them. She was like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, he's like, we can't find them anywhere. Like, you don't, you don't need a biopsy. And, um, and so, of course, she called Pastor Jamie. He was like, he did a miracle. But we're a house of miracles, by the way. We have like walking miracles around. My son's a walking miracle. Pastor Bubba's a walking miracle. Many of you have walking miracles around. How many in here right now need a physical touch in your body? I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. Come on, raise it high. Jesus, right now, I pray for every single person that is right now raising their hand. I believe and I partner with their faith and believe, God, that right now in this moment, you can heal their bodies. We pray against every form of cancer that has to leave in Jesus' name. I pray for muscles and backs and minds. I pray for blood vessels. God, I pray for hearts and organs. God, I pray right now those would line up in Jesus' name. We're believing for even greater reports in Jesus' name. And everybody who receives that says, come on, we believe for miracles. Believing for miracles. And number three, supernatural encounters. Supernatural encounters. So we believe that when God's in his house, there's supernatural order, and when God's in his house, there's supernatural miracles, but when God is in his house, there is supernatural encounters. Watch what Acts 5, verse 17 now says. It says, the high priests and the officials who were Sadducees were filled with jealousy. Now let me tell you why they were filled with jealousy. Because the apostles, which by the way, let's just remember who the apostles are. Majority of the apostles were fishermen. They weren't the smartest tool in the shed. They, 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 they did not graduate from seminary school or cemetery, whatever you want to call it. Um, they, did not, they did not have all the education. They, they, they weren't the richest. I mean, it's tax collectors, fishermen. I mean, just a ragtag group of guys that God says, I want those guys. He chooses those 12 and, of course, then puts his spirit in them in Acts chapter 2. And these guys are walking around with no formal training. And they're healing people. And they're seeing miracles happen. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees who grew up their entire life studying the Bible, memorizing the Bible, are getting jealous because they can't do anything these guys are doing. So what do they do in their jealousy? Well, let's arrest them and throw them in prison. Sounds good. So they do. In the next verse it says, but an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, said, hey, you pass go, get out of jail, let's go. Then he told them, watch, watch what he tells them. Go to the temple and give the people this message of life. This is what happened. He, the angel pulled the 12 guys out of jail and said, all right, go back into the temple where they arrested you and keep preaching. Amen. Now you read the rest of the story. Here's the crazy part of the story. So the high priest the next morning goes, hey, go grab the guys out of jail. I want to talk to them. They're going to put them on trial. They go to the jail. <laughs> Nobody there. They go, where are they at? And they find out that the guys are preaching back in the temple where they had arrested them from. And it says that they were so scared that they would not touch them from there on. There was great fear that they told them not to preach anymore. And they said, no, 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 we're going we're to keep preaching. God has told us to preach. This is the good news. We have to keep preaching this news. Can I tell you something? I guarantee you that that moment where the angel came and knocked them out, brought them out of the jail, that was a divine encounter. They never forgot that. Can you think about when they, when they were talking to their grandkids? Man, I gotta tell you this one time, I was up in jail. <laughs> Let me tell you. Bright light shone and this thing walked in. It was an angel. Grandpa, you crazy. No, I'm telling you. Like, this is a story now. And here's the cool part of this. 
This was Peter's first time. Peter has it happen a second time in Acts chapter 12. He gets it twice. He must be God's favorite. Two times God delivers him out. Why? Because every one of these are encounters. Now I want you to think through your spiritual journey, through your walk with Christ. Have there been moments in your walk with Jesus where you've just had these moments where you just had encounters with God where he just marked you? Like significant moments where you just know like that was the Lord. Like he just showed up in that moment. Acts chapter nine, we see that happen with a guy named Saul. He has an encounter with Jesus. He's no longer the same. He's not killing Christians anymore. Now he's preaching and he changes the name to Paul. That's an encounter with God. Acts chapter 10, Peter has an encounter with God. A vision comes down, says, you're not gonna just preach to the Jews. You're also gonna preach to the Gentiles. The Gentiles need the gospel too. Which by the way, you need to thank God that Peter had that vision and had that encounter with God because you and I are here because of that. You wouldn't be here if he didn't have that vision. That encounter with God is what led to where we are today with the local church, not just being for the Jewish people, but for the Gentile people. And when I think through my own life, the encounters that I've had with God that have gotten me to where I am today. I remember being a young kid and being in my grandparents' living room. My grandmother was a worship leader and she would invite all of her friends over to their house and they would have 20, 30 couples in their living room and they would be singing and worshiping and praying together and I remember just sitting on a floor watching this go on around me like that's the kind of house that I grew up in and it marked, marked me. I remember my junior year of high school, I was kind of running from God, I wasn't really serving him as well as I should be, I was going to a private school but I knew a lot about God, but I didn't really know God. And I remember being in my bedroom and God meeting with me in my bedroom and telling me, you're gonna start a Bible study for your school. And I was like, get behind me, Satan. Because you know these kids, these are private school kids. Private school kids are worse than public school kids because they know a lot about God, they just don't know God. I was one of them, I knew it. And sure enough, God would not let it go. And that year, I started a Bible study and began to do things in my school and begin to step out. I remember the year of 1999, I was here in Broussard, Louisiana, before it was Our Savior's Church. And I was at a summer camp. And God showed up. Pastor Jim, who was here last week, was there in 1999, 20 years ago, and looked at me and said, God's got to call a God on your life, and you're going to pastor, and you're going to lead thousands. And you're, I mean, he just spoke these things, and it was just a God moment where I knew God had called me into this. Like, where I saw this before it was this. I remember 2014, in November 2014, our son just underwent the most horrific heart surgery that a four-year-old could go through, and I remember kneeling at his bed in the middle of the ICU room with him intubated and him coming out in and out of anesthesia, and I remember singing, Jesus loves you. And I remember God just telling me how much he loved me. Like That marked me. That marked me. And I could tell you 10 other times where God has shown up in just ways that only he can show up. Amen. And I'm gonna tell you right now, my heart as, our past, as your pastor and as the pastor of this church is I want your kids and my kids to encounter God. Like I want them to go to OSC Kids and not just get a snack and a good story and play some games. Like I want them to meet God. Like I want them to meet God. Like 
We don't come, we don't, we don't have youth come on a Wednesday night just because they don't have anything else to do in town. Like we want them to come. We want them to meet God on a Wednesday night that they come and they encounter God. This past summer I had a chance. We, we sent 70 plus high school students to camp in Lafayette. They were meeting at the Blackham Coliseum and I told Lindsay, I was like, I wanna go. Like, I just wanna go, I wanna, I wanna sneak in and I wanna see my son. My son is, is a ninth grader this year. It was his first time at high school camp. And I hurried up and I snuck in and we're in the back and there's 1,400 high school students all over the place just worshiping God. And I'm only there trying to track down one of them. <laughs> the one that has belt as his last name. And I go off to the side and I, I, find, I see him. His hair's not combed, it's, it's expected. And man, I just, I see him going after the Lord. And man, I just started crying. Because I had a flashback of 20 years earlier Amen. being in Broussard where God, God got a hold of me. And so I, I run up to him, and I'm hugging him. I, he didn't know I was there, and he turns around, and he's crying. Now I'm crying more. His mom's over here. She's crying. I mean, everybody's crying. And what people don't know is how many times I've prayed for my sons. What we've walked through with him, and what I felt like God has spoken over his life from before he was born, and like to see him meeting with the Lord and God having a moment with him. Like that's, that's what I want for your kids. Like that's what I want for mine. This generation doesn't need YouTube, doesn't need podcasts, doesn't need fancy preachers. Like they need an encounter with God. They need to encounter with God. Oh, God, I said I wasn't going to cry again. So every Sunday morning, I drive up onto our property. And first off, I'm just so proud of our team. We have the best dream team I've ever, I've never seen. They get here way before I do, and they're parking cars and greeting people and making coffee and just loving people well. I'm so grateful. We're so blessed. And I'll sit in the parking lot right out here in the front, and I have a normal Sunday morning ritual. So I'll, I'll, I'll listen to worship music my entire drive here from my house all the way here, and, and it's loud. I'm just letting you know it's real loud. So if you hear something bumping in the parking lot, it's probably your pastor. Don't bother me. <laughs> And, uh, and so I'll, I'll put on worship music. That's just my way that I really feel like I connect with the Lord. And so I just worship my heart out and then I pray and I pray the same prayer every single Sunday. And here's my prayer. God, if you're not here, I'm not here. God, if you're not here, I don't want to be here. Like, I just, I want you here. Like, I just want you here. Like, I want to get out of the way. 
And I just want you to show up because you save and you set people free and you speak to people like this is what you do. This isn't what I do. This is what you do. And, uh, and I pray for you. And I pray that God shows up and that God speaks to you and every single one of you that bring a friend, that trust God, that they're going to hear from the Lord. In between the, uh, this service and the last service, I got a text message from a lady, uh, a guy who's here in our church, and he said, hey, I just want you to know, I brought my friend today, and they raised their hand for salvation. Amen. And I said... I said, uh, that's what it's all about. Because last week we said, if you bring your friends and your faith, God will speak to your friends. God will speak to your friends. An activated church is where God makes his home. An activated church is where God shows up and he marks you and changes your life forever. Our Christianity is built on encounters with God. So what do we do to be a place that God can call home? Let me give you these three things. One, be a person of prayer. Be a person of prayer. Prayer has always moved the heart of God. God always makes a way for a praying man, for a praying woman. Pray, 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 pray. This is is what prayer does. Prayer doesn't remind us who we are. Prayer reminds us who God is. Prayer opens the door of our hearts to say, God, you're welcome in this place. God, you're welcome in this situation. I don't know if you know this, but we have people that that pray before every service. People wonder, man, how do these services, man, they're so powerful. We have people that pray. That's all they do. They just pray for you. Pray for these services. Pray that God shows up and that God speaks. All throughout the week, we have people praying over not only the prayer requests that come in, but praying over the city and praying over our region. We've been doing that for 21 days of just praying, praying, and praying, and praying. And it's not no surprise that God responds to prayer. God answers prayer. If you don't know what to do, just pray. Just pray, just pray, just pray. Number two, set your life in order. Set your life in order. Don't be one person one way at church and be another person another way outside of church. Close the gap between your private life and your public life. Don't let what you do privately be exposed publicly. Let, let what happens privately, if you, if you will confess those things privately, God can heal it. God can't heal what you keep concealing. You've got to expose those things. As we bring it to the light, God's word comes. And so uh, it's important, it's so important, it's so important, it's so important for you to understand that God can't bless things that are out of order Your life, my life have to be in order. My finances have to be in his order. My marriage has to be in his order. My family has to be in his order. And if it's not in order, God can't bless it. God can't use it. God can't anoint it. God is calling us to set things in order. And I'm gonna tell you, if you put your house in order, God won't have to. God is calling us as a church as we're, we're experiencing a move of God. To keep things in order. And last is to expect the miraculous. Expect the miraculous. I want you to stand up with me. We're going, we're going to close out this service. But I want, us to, I want us to end just inviting God to come and make his place. Make this home. 
not only this as a church, but you praying for your home. I want us to do that right now. Just right there where you're gonna pray. And then I'm gonna finish and I'm gonna pray for us. But you're, you right there where you are, I want you, let this be a moment right here where it's you and God. Just close your eyes right there where you are. Don't worry about who's beside you, who's behind you, what's going on. I want, I want this to be a moment where you just have a conversation with the Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You're welcome in our homes. You're welcome in our lives. You're welcome in this church. God, if you're not here, we don't want to be here. But God, if you are here, and I know that you are, that God, you will help us to have supernatural order, supernatural miracles, supernatural encounters. That we come today, Lord, not just to run through the motions of church. We came to meet with the living God. God, that heaven and hell are real People really go those places. And we don't want to live a life where we say one thing, but we live another. Where we portray one thing, but, but really we know as we lay our head down at night that we're, we're only fooling ourselves. The God you see, you know. The God that you know us the most You know the worst parts of our lives. And yet, God, you love us the most. So today, God, we repent. God, we repent of anything that's in our lives that doesn't honor you. We want your blessings. We want your spirit. We want your forgiveness. We want your mercy. We want your grace. But God, we know, Lord, that we, we need to have things in order. And God, you're, you say that in order for us to get these things in order, all we have to do is surrender. So today, God, we surrender. The Bible says that if anyone is going to see the kingdom of heaven, that he must be born again. If you're here in this place and you've been, you've been wrestling for a long time and you can't figure out why there's been such a wrestle. You've been, you've been longing and looking for satisfaction. You've just realized it's been like drinking sand. Every time you get something you think is gonna satisfy, it doesn't satisfy. 
reason that is is because God has created us with a longing that only he can fill. As Ryan said, he, he is the river. He is the water. He is the one that allows us not to thirst anymore. If you're here in this place, the Bible makes it as easy as ABC. We admit we're sinners. We believe that Christ died on the cross to take our shame and our guilt. And that if you and I will confess him as Lord and Savior of our lives, today you get to go from not being bad to good, but from spiritually dead to alive. If that's you in this place and you've never prayed that prayer, I want to pray with you. On the count of three, I want you just to shoot your hand up and say, Pastor Josh, I want you to pray with me. One, two, three. If that's you going up all across this room, come on. Don't be ashamed. Hold it up right there where you are. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Praise God. You can put your hands down right there where you are. And I, I want us right there where you are. I want you to pray this with me. With all your heart, I want you to say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross to take my sin, my shame, and my guilt. I believe that you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. And you rose again to give me a purpose on earth, a place in heaven, and a relationship with your Father. Today I turn from my sins. I put things in order. You're now first place. God, be my Father. Jesus, be my Savior. Holy Spirit, be my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name.